Hey, what is up, y'all? Welcome to the latest Conversations with Heavy Cardboard. Uh, I am your host, Edward Euler. Happy to be joined today by somebody I met a couple months ago at a local convention here at PAX East, and that is Jeremy Tracy of Tracy Boards. And so I've always, ever since I've been in this hobby, I have enjoyed playing Crokinole recreationally. Uh, I had the owner of Game Surplus. I'm sorry, not Game. Um, what is the name of the? There was a local game store that one of the guys owned. I think like six different Crokinole boards, and that was my introduction to Crokinole. And ever since then, I've enjoyed playing it recreationally. And then when I went to PAX East, I met Jeremy and realized just how how good a quality the boards can be, number one, and how good the players can be, number two. So Jeremy Tracy, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm excited to be here. The, uh, I, I, I watched your video earlier this week of uh, letting people know what was coming this week, and I, I'm feeling a tremendous amount of pressure because I feel like uh, I feel like you pumped me up a little bit that, I, that uh, <laughs> I'm going to bring the entertainment. So No, well, I, I, all you have to do is be you, and it'll be just fine. I promise you that right. for sure. That I can do. Uh, that I can do. Uh, so, okay, so let's, let's for those, that, for people out there that are unfamiliar with Crokinole, um, give people the gist of what Crokinole is. The, the best explanation I've heard of Crokinole is that it is shuffleboard and curling in a tabletop version. So, yeah, I, I think that that works. Plus posts. Yes. The, the added challenge of uh, pegs or posts or bumpers or, or some people even put adjectives in front of any of those words. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is pretty spot on. So uh, tell folks a little bit about you and your history with, with Crokinole to start off with. I was introduced to Crokinole before I can remember. And it was actually only like less than two weeks ago. My mom, who's, who's bored and going a little shack wacky, is going through some uh, old photos. And she sent me a picture of my very first experience playing Crokinole. And I had to, I, like she texted me this picture and I had to say, okay, like what's the date when was that and quick did the math and i was 19 months old when oh my. the first time i sat at a crokinole board so she tried to say that you know i didn't really play all that well and i'm like i don't know i think that the the, the <laughs> but uh it was my it was my grandfather reed who uh he's passed a few years ago now but uh like even when he i mean he lived into his 90s and when we would go there when my kids were young and he and he's in his 90s and always the type of guy right down on the floor playing with the kids. So of course in this photo and when I'm a baby, he's down on the floor with me and my, my brother and sister introducing us to Crokinole. So yeah, literally my whole life I've been playing the game and uh, like you played recreational until uh, just a few years ago when I get introduced to the world of competitive Crokinole and uh, it's addictive. I love it. How, how, okay. So how did you get, introduced to the world of of competitive croak and all that i was playing in i'm canadian so in true canadian style i was playing pickup hockey and uh, as you do yeah and we're sitting in the dressing room and it's funny i i very i live in a pretty small town there's probably a population of 
if anybody in Elmira is watching, I may get this wrong, but I think we're population about 16,000 here. So there are literally horse and buggy Mennonites that go past our house. Like it's very rural, very small town. And, um, anyway, so I'm there and I, I, when I started playing with this group on Wednesday night hockey was the first time I met a gentleman by the name of Roy Campbell and him and I just instantly hit it off. We just, just instantly connected. Great chat. And I had been playing, I don't know how long I've been playing a couple weeks, couple months. And uh, one night somebody turned to Roy and said, how did you make out in your crokinole tournament on the weekend? Crokinole? You hit in a tournament? Anyway, uh, Roy is an extremely talented player and he's done very well. I think he's placed as high as third in the worlds. So when I caught wind of that, I'm like, dude, we've got to play. So uh, he came to my house and we played and it was a little ways into the game and he hit a shot that's called a follow through 20. So my button was closer to him. than. So the the, hold on, to be clear, the button is are the pieces, to be y- clear. Right? Yes. Uh, okay. you, some people call them discs. I call them buttons because right. it's just, I don't know, I just call them buttons, but you can call them okay. whatever you want. But okay, so the, the disc, my disc is sitting closer to him than the center hole. Right. And he shoots with enough force that, of course, it knocks mine off but his follows through and drops into the middle. And when that happened, my chin hit the, the table and I'm like, dude, did you do that on purpose? And he's like, yup. And I was like, okay. And to this day, that's one of my favorite shots is a follow through 20. It's like the power shot of Crokinole. And, uh, yeah. So, it, he invited me to a club that he played at and, uh, it's now my favorite club to go to the St. Jacobs club. There's so many skilled players there. And, uh, if I miss a tournament, there's something, there's something drastic going on. I think the only one I've missed was when I was out of the country. Like I just love, love competitive crocodile. Now, hold on. You said there's a club, like I'm picturing a, a room that you walk in and it's nothing but crocodile boards. This, this particular club that I go to, there's usually eight tables or eight boards being played on. And, uh, there's a whole division of crocodile that they play with cues. So they're, uh, 16 or 18 inch long pool cue, miniature pool cue, and they play, but the, the cues players do not play against the fingers players generally, and certainly not in competitive play. So I'm on the finger side, but yeah, there's uh, so there'll be, I, go ahead. I had no idea there was a, there was a cue side to yeah. Crokinole. Yeah. Uh, I, there's another club that I go to where the, the cues and the fingers players play against each other. What I don't like about that is um, there's one gentleman who likes to play, with the cue, after I make a good shot, there's a sharp pain in my shins. I don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, when when we go to the World Championships of Crokinole in Tavistock, which is supposed to be the first Saturday in uh, June every year, the cues are in a separate division. So all the cues players are uh, are they play separately because it's just a little different game. Oh, uh, okay. So on that note, okay. So Crokinole's used, it's a flicking game. Well, not really. It's, it's not really a flicking game because you don't flick it. You're more pushing it than anything. Would that be a, a safe, like at least at, at your level? 
if you don't want if you don't want your fingernail to hurt, yes, it's more of a it's more of a push. It's uh, that's one of the things that I hear from people. They say, "Oh yeah, like I remember playing like around here." People have known about, a lot of people have known about Corkinole for a long time. So uh, I'll read comments online of, uh, "Yeah, my my fingernail still hurts from playing with Grandma and Grandpa forty years ago." And uh, there's a couple things that have changed. One, the boards have gotten a lot faster, a lot smoother, so you don't need to shoot as hard. Uh, but the other the other thing is that people have a tendency to have their finger way back. So of course it's more of a strike when it hits. Whereas if you can get up fairly close and it becomes more of a push, then, uh, then yeah, it's a little more, a little more finger friendly. So uh, the Q thing is blowing my mind. I I was unaware that this even existed. Is it, is that easier, harder? How does that, you said, because the game's different, like how does that differ it's just, it becomes much more of a 20s game. Like uh, there's more 20s in, in Qs. Okay. They say, and I've been on the receiving end of this, they say a, a really, really good Qs player will beat a really good fingers player. It just their angles being able to line up. And honestly, Edward, you can, you can be intrigued by it. I suspect what I know of you, if you tried the Q, you'd play a game or two and go, yeah, I'm going back to fingers. It just, okay. uh, All right. uh, yeah. Um, sometimes uh, there, there's a, there's a Mennonite population around here. A lot of Mennonites like the Qs just because that's what they're used to. So okay. they, they grew up playing Qs. Now they try to play with their fingers and they get, they, you know, they're hitting the pegs. They're just like, Oh, and they don't make the transition. Um, they're, the other thing that I see happen is there's people that love the game of Crokinole and as they age and, you know, they get arthritis in their hands or whatever, they will transition over to being a Q's player. So that got, makes sense. Yeah. And that is something that, um, that's something I think is pretty cool now. Yeah. 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 It, it allows them to continue playing, you know, yeah. when, if they wouldn't be able to due to arthritis or whatever yes. it is. Yeah. Interesting. So my introduction to competitive, if you will, uh, Crokinole, which I, I would argue I still haven't truly been introduced to it is I had, we, we had a little informal tournament at a local convention back when I was in Denver and everything. And okay. I thought I was, thought I was pretty decent. And then a few months ago we had PAX East and you want to, uh, before uh, I'll, I'll, I'll briefly touch on this and then you can explain how this came about. But, um, I noticed that there was a, a crokinole area at PAX East and I was, I was blown away by this. I was like, this is amazing. Awesome. And that's where I met you. And uh, I'd heard that you are the currently, correct me if I'm wrong, the number six ranked player in the world. I, I think I've fallen to eighth at this point. Okay. Yeah. Top 10 player yeah. in the world. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Okay. Fair. Okay. Yes. So I'm, of the, I'm highly competitive, right? And no matter what it is, I do because that's just life. And I was like, okay, Jeremy. I want you to kick my ass. Like, I want you to curb stomp me like nobody's business. Cause I want to see what, like, I think I'm okay at the game. I want to see what it's really like. And uh, you proceeded to take it seriously and utterly eviscerate me. And I got to experience exactly what that was like. And it is at a whole level that I was... I'd seen some videos on YouTube. I had seen some stuff where the the, the world championships and, and there's this young kid. I say young kid. I think he's in his early 20s, maybe late teens, whatever it is, that 
kid's kid's a monster. And I was like, wow, like, okay. But seeing it in person and having it happen to you is a whole new experience. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, but tell me how, uh, tell folks how how that PAX East thing came about, how that, because that's awesome. I think that's amazing. Oh, it was just, uh, yeah, that was a four day, four days in heaven for me. Uh, yeah, just an awesome experience all the way around. Now that came about thanks to a gentleman I now call my friend, uh, Corey Arnold. He is in Philadelphia and he got a hold of me ahead of PAX East or sorry, PAX Unplugged that takes place in Philadelphia. And, uh, I mean, what did, what did Elaine say? Elaine is my wife and she whatever was said about, I said something about Corey one day on Facebook here a while ago after the trip. And she was like, I'm pretty sure that's the only man I know who's more excited about crokinole than you are. <laughs> or it was something like that or talks about it more than you do. Like Corey is just passionate about this game. So him and I had never met, but he got a hold of me through Facebook Messenger and he said, I'm trying to I'm trying to run a tournament in, at PAX Unplugged. Is there any way your company could uh, sponsor or support? Or I'm like, like I'm in Elmira, Ontario, close to Toronto, and you're in Philadelphia. I don't really know how that works, but let's talk. And um, anyway, after a while, I'm like, Elaine, do you want to want to do a road trip? So we loaded up what I call the Crokinole Mobile. It's our it's our van. I take the seats out and fill it up with Crokinole boards, and we drove to Philadelphia, and that was. I think that was a three-day event, and we, we were only there for two days because we were so busy in the shop. We just drove down one day. We were there for two days, and on, on the third day the event was going on, we were driving back home. But, um, and, but yeah, the spinoff from that was then we got the invite to go to PAX East. So I'm like, yeah, right on. A little, I don't know, maybe a little bit longer drive for us. But uh, yeah, so we packed up and went down there and took even more boards because we kind of knew what to what to expect. Sure. We went to we we went when we went to Philadelphia. Uh, Corey had it on the schedule that we were to do a learn to play from noon until until two. And uh, so I'm like, all right, so I, we rolled into the city at like 11 o'clock. We fortunately got parking fairly close and I took my cart and loaded up like 10 boards on my cart and wheeled them in and set them up. So, and I said, well, like, let's, we'll go in, we'll do this two hours and then maybe we'll go explore the city. Well, <laughs> I am absolutely a fly by the seat of my pants guy. And a lot of times it works out for me, but it almost bit me in the butt here because I'm like, we'll check out the city. And then we'll find a place to stay tonight. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. We set the boards out and we've got 10 boards out on the tables and all the boards are full. There's people waiting and we're saying like, we're giving people, okay, you got like half an hour to play, but then we need you to get off so other people can get on. And I'm saying like, man, should I go back to my van and grab the other 10 boards? <laughs> and we're like, but oh, but by then our two hour window is going to be up. But like the people just kept lining up and lining up and finally I'm like, I got to go. So took my car, run back, but we ended up, long story short, we ended up there until midnight showing people how to play Grogonal. But it's, it's a, it's like with no breaks, it was people lined up the entire time. So I think it's like seven o'clock. Elaine is awesome. So patient. She's been putting up with me a long time, but it's like seven o'clock and she comes to me and she's like, Jeremy, we need to eat and we need to find a place to stay. <laughs> <laughs> there was a young couple who we met that day. And I mean, I think we chatted with him a little bit, but very little. And he overhears this and he goes, you guys don't have a place to stay. And he was like, like you can crash at our place if you want to. And I'm like, that's, I mean, that's just the kind of people you meet at these conventions. But I'm like, I really appreciate the yeah. offer. But anyway, 
we ended up spending more on a hotel room than I've ever spent in my life. Cause there we are in the, in downtown Philadelphia, lucky to even find a place, but yeah, we, uh, we, we lucked out and found a very nice hotel room that, that we stayed. Very in. nice. I bet it was very nice and, and we paid for it, but it was worth it because yeah, just, uh, just a fantastic experience, which led us to, which led us to PAX East as well. So yeah. And, and so, okay. So talk about, uh, talk about your company. Cause how did that come about as well? Now you create the boards, you, you manufacture the boards, but not just boards for your company, but for the world championship as well. Yes. Um, the world Crokinole championships, like you said, you envisioned when I was talking about the club, you said you envisioned walking in and seeing a whole room full of boards. Right. It is a. It is almost surreal to walk into the Tavistock Arena. Like, I mean, you think Elmira? Like I said, Elmira is a small town. I don't know what the population is of Tavistock, but it is tiny. They've got a Tim Hortons, couple gas stations, a restaurant. That's about it. And the arena. And that's, a restaurant. A, uh, maybe there's a second one. Okay, might, I get but, the idea though. Okay. One one set of lights, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay. small town, but the reason they have it there is because that's where Crokinole was invented. But we can, sorry, I'll try to uh, get back. We'll come back to that. But, um, All right. But yeah, the World Championships is the only tournament that at, they actually provide all the boards. Any other tournament we go to, usually it's players that that bring the boards that get played on because all the competitive players have good quality boards. And it isn't uncommon for me to get an email a couple days before a tournament and they'll say, hey, can you bring six boards with you? So yes, of course, we'll do that. Um, anyway, but yeah, the World Championships provides their own boards so that they can, because they've got, last year, I think they had 124 boards in action. So what? Yeah. So that uh, so 124 boards. So that would be 248 players at the World Championships. There's more than that, but um, because the the morning is doubles, so you got four to a table in the morning, and then the afternoon is singles. So wow, I, I'll be honest, I had no idea it was that many. Yeah, wow. that, that is okay. by far the that's the biggest tournament there is. Like, and it's international, correct? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we call it the World Championships, but yeah, I, th- I think last year there were people there from nine different states. Uh, I don't know how many different countries were represented, but there was a few. There were some people that traveled that that uh, came to that. So yeah, we are we are the official board builders for the World Championships, and I inherited that from my I call him my board building mentor. So every board that is that is in action in Tavistock was either built by the gentleman who trained me. His name's Willard Martin, or uh, by by us. So uh, that is so how did that cool. come about? So okay, you 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 played Crokinole your whole life. We established yeah. that at least. Well, hold on, maybe not your whole life, but at eighteen months. So we'll 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 let it go. There. Okay, all right. <laughs> Slight exaggeration, <laughs> but 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 seriously, how did you how did you go about going from playing recreationally or? possibly to competitively to actually making the boards. How did this come about? Cause this is fascinating to me. Yeah. See the gentleman I just mentioned, uh, Willard Martin, he actually in this little town, he lives like a three minute drive from here and he had been making the boards for 30 years. His dad made crokinole boards before that. And Willard is, he's early seventies at this point. I don't want to 
pinpoint the age, but he's early seventies. So it was a few years ago when he was like, you know what, I want to, I want to retire. And, uh, I am so grateful, so blessed, so thankful that like, yeah, he's our board building mentor. He took me into a shop and showed me everything, showed me his jigs, his process, and uh, so I started by working on his boards and, and learning from him. And I slowly weaned myself off of working in his shop while I set up my own shop. And uh, yeah, for a long time, I would like, I'd be home working on boards and something would go wrong. And I'd pack it up, put it in my car, be super grateful. It was only a three minute drive. And I'd show up on his doorstep and he'd go, uh oh, <laughs> what's going on now? <laughs> and he'd be able to look at it and tell me what I needed to adjust in order to move away from that, uh, whatever, whatever that particular challenge was. But, okay. Uh, but how did this come about? Like you weren't making boards. So how, like what he just said, Hey, I want to retire. And you were like, Oh, I'll just start doing this. Like, how did that happen? That, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, were you a woodworker or carpenter before this or what? Oh man, uh, I have a resume. I have a very interesting resume. I I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm in Nova Scotia, so the east coast of Canada, and uh-huh. so very very accustomed to working with tools. I've done a number of construction type jobs. Probably, and this may sound weird, but probably the the career that I had that lent itself best to what I'm doing now was uh, I did a lot of aluminum work. So I worked uh, for a company and we installed eaves trough. We, we uh, capped windows, capped doors, garage doors. Thing. So working with aluminum and I know aluminum and wood are different. Um, but clearly, yeah, clearly. Um, but the, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. The, the similarities between the two, like there's so much that I learned in that, that has served me in this. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't, I wouldn't, call myself a woodworker before doing this and I still have people come to me and they want me to build a trophy or they want me to build this or that and I'm like no I build crocodile boards um <laughs> will you build chess boards nope I'm no too, I build um, crocodile boards I build crocodile <laughs> boards uh yeah so beca- like I yeah I'm just scratching the surface of the different things that I've done but I, I've done a lot of things and I've had the opportunity to learn so many different things so when I went into Willard shop with him I just basically like teach me like there's, there's nothing you need to rewrite here. You've got, I don't want to say a blank slate because I did come in with a, a very, a very good skill set in the coordination and, and the physical abilities to do it. Uh, but I didn't have things that he needed to, to unteach me in order to move forward. Sure. But, but what I've learned through these different things that I've done in my life is that I just go in and if there's somebody that knows way more than me, it's just like, I'm not, I'm not going to challenge anything. I'm not going to question. I'm not going to try to change anything. I'm going to do it exactly how you do it. And then I'll move forward from there. And, uh, yeah, I'm really good at learning a system and I worked with it. For, I mean, we've made some tweaks and adjustments along the way, but it was like just completely and totally embraced everything he does exactly how he did it. Uh, and then move forward from there. So yeah. Do you want to expound a little on what that process is like? Because I have no frame. I mean, obviously, there's a crokinole board for those watching live on YouTube right now. There's a crokinole board, I assume one of yours, directly behind you. And so that process of making a crokinole board 
I have no idea like what goes into that. Yeah. I have no frame of reference. So the board you're looking at is actually the first board I ever made. That is that's the, awesome. The that's original awesome. Tracy board. It has seen a lot of hours of play uh, with me and the boys here, and uh, it's still very playable. It's just uh, yeah, um, we got a new wall hanging unit that I wanted to I wanted to put one up here. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to hang up the original Tracy board, and uh, as you should, like that's yes. the sentiment, uh, sentimental yeah. value alone. It, yeah. That's awesome. You know, some businesses put up their first dollar they ever made. Right. I would put up my first crokinole board too, so I don't blame you. That's awesome. Yeah. Believe it or not, one of the more challenging aspects of building a crokinole board is getting the rail around the outside. Huh? Really? Why? What? What? What makes that hard? The bending of the wood, or yeah, because you you are starting with a piece of plywood that is eight feet long, and you're wrapping it around a thirty inch circle without it cracking, without it breaking, keeping it tight. Uh, and getting the, and it's actually, it's two layers thick. It's an eighth inch plywood, two layers thick. So, uh, the inside needs to be glued and nailed. The outside just gets glued to the inside. But, and I mean, you look at it when it's done and you go, oh, okay, there's uh there's, it's round. But when you actually think about, okay, how would you go about doing that and getting those seams tight? And yeah, like that's, that's one of the more, one of the more skillful parts of it. Uh, beyond that, I mean, as far as, as far as I often say, building a crokinole board really isn't that hard. You just, I mean, you need to know the process. Beyond that, you just need to care. And attention to detail. Attention to detail. And uh, we've we've got three sons, uh, any of which would be able to help out if they wanted to. But it's our youngest son, Nolan. He's 17 now. And he does he does a lot of work. He's working probably 25, 30 hours a week in the shop with us now. And he has been, he's, he's, this is the most he's worked for us. But I mean, he's been helping me for probably a year and a half. So he would have been 16 when he started. And it's only recently that I've taught him to band. <laughs> he's still in the learning curve because, yeah, there's there's some learning there. Band um, is the is that sorry, yes. rail, right? Yeah, that's okay. what I call right. it. I, yep. I call yep. it banding. But okay. yeah, I mean, he does a lot of sanding for me. And in the early stages of him learning, he'd be working on something. And he'd call me over and say, Dad, is this good enough? And my response is would you play on it? Because if you want to see that kid foul, ask him to take him to a tournament where there's a crappy board and he has to play on it and he's hardly fit to look at. So, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned me being ranked in the top 10. Our, uh, all three boys play, but our middle son doesn't play as much, but my oldest, his name's Reed youngest named Nolan. The two of them partnered, uh, they partner together in any competitive tournament. Uh, they partner together. But last year in Tavistock, they placed second in competitive doubles in the Worlds. So they are – they're skilled. They're they are very good. They're very good players. And, I mean, we always say, like, we don't, we don't want to sell a board that we wouldn't want to play on. So when he's saying to me, is this good enough? And I say, well, would you play on it? And uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, he is actually a little bit more fussy than me. Like, which is which has got to make you proud, both as a father as well as, I mean, 
that matters, right? Yes. Like just that that that's got to feel good because ultimately, I mean, I I like to think that I'm kind of similar in when it comes to the show here as well. Like, is it, it good enough? Isn't good enough? Like, if I have to question that, then no, the answer is no. Not until it gets to where I don't have to question that. So I I appreciate that. I think that's awesome, especially at that young an age. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah, he's a he's a unique young man. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So so how to, okay, so you started out uh, uh, with your mentor yes. building these and then learning and then how did that transition happen? Then from oh hey, I'm doing I'm working in aluminum. I'm doing all these other things and now all of a sudden nope, I'm just doing crocodile boards full time just cuz that's what you do. Um, again, back to my wife, Elaine, who is very patient and very tolerant. And when I said, yeah, I, I, this is how I want to feed the family. And this is, this is going to be our business. And she said, okay, let's figure it out. So, um, yeah, I know when, when I met, went and met with Willard to, uh, start talking about, uh, taking over and being mentored, I had no idea. Like, I mean, I love crocodile. I'm going to these tournaments and whatnot. And I'm like, but once you buy a board, you kind of have a board. It's not like a repeat. Like it doesn't wear out. No, no. Uh, so I'm like, you know, I mean, do you sell a couple a month? Like, like, right. You know, I mean, is this a hobby for you? Is this a, like, what's up? And anyway, uh, Willard and his brother, Bruce were both building the boards. They were both building Willard boards, but, um, they, between the two of them, they were, they were selling between three and 500 boards a year. So I heard that number. I'm like, okay, all right. This, this seems, yeah, uh, this seems like something we can make a go at. And it's something we will, we'll ramp up toward. Um, fortunately at, at that point, yeah, that's a super long story. But uh, the short version is I was working. Uh, oh, oh, what, you got somewhere to be? Well, I guess you do have to make boards. So there's that. Okay, fair enough. Fine. So no, I, I was saying maybe maybe a deep story. But the, the short version is that at the when I was starting to, when I started selling boards and building this business, I was working a very part-time job for uh, a company they, that was super flexible with when I worked. So it allowed me to, it allowed me to just easily build this and that. And that part-time job was just uh, a little bit of a security blanket for me while this while this ramped up. Sure, and uh, that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, it actually happened sooner than I expected it to. That we were that I was able to drop that, and this went from being uh, part-time for me to being more than full-time for me, full-time for my wife, and bringing Nolan in as well. Like Thanks. Say, shut up and sit down for that. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was, that was the other thing I planned on doing in Philadelphia because somebody said, oh yeah, he's here. And I'm like, dude, I am finding that guy. I'm taking him out for supper. I'm doing something. And I never got a chance to walk away from our area at all. So I've yet to meet the guy, but I had so many people say to me, well, you should send him a board. You should give him a board. And I'm like, well, that's cool. And that would be super generous. But he says right in the video, it's great, but where do I put it? So sure. I don't. And this was Quinn's that did that, yeah. right? He yeah. was the one that did. Quinn's is a really, really nice guy. I'm, I'm friends with. Well, what was all three of them back then? It was uh, uh, Quinn's, Matt, and uh, and Paul. Okay. It, uh, and Paul has since stepped away, but okay. it's Matt and Quinn's. But Quinn's is the one who, uh, who did the uh, the review of it, and business, uh, business did all right from then on. Huh? Oh, that video quadrupled our business. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Like, that's that's unbelievable. That's, yeah. or, or it's believable, but that's amazing. I think yeah. that's really cool. And they're really good guys. So, um, and and I'm happy for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, yeah. so, so how did, okay, so the world championships, how did, because there are other manufacturers out there in the world that make mm-hmm. crokinole boards. Yep. How is it that you got associated with that? How did that come about? Uh, again, uh, basically after I was just saying this to somebody the other day and I don't, I don't know if Willard would agree with this hundred percent, but I feel like when I was in his shop, it was kind of like a working interview. And, uh, one, once he saw enough of what he liked, he was like, yeah, okay, we're going forward with this. But yeah, once I was trained and he went to the he went to the worlds and basically said, yeah, Jeremy's the guy. Okay. So yeah, he had been their official board builder for all those years. And when I know, um, I'm good friends with Nathan, Nathan Walsh, who's on the committee. And as soon as he heard that Willard was training me, he was like, phew, there's that off our plate because they were like, okay, now where are we going to find, like, if Willard's not doing this anymore, where are we going to get the quality boards that we need for this tournament? So, uh, they were relieved and, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a nice boost that I know that every year they're going to be looking for another twenty or twenty five boards because they uh, they replace some of the boards as well as um, as sell some. Each okay, year. all so, right. So yeah. so what makes a quality board? Attention to detail, just like quality furniture, anything yep. like that. I I understand that, yep. but for for anybody out there that doesn't know the difference between a all right crokinole board and a quality one, like what would you say is the hallmark of a quality board? The the playing surface. I mean, uh, as hard as I work to make the rail look good and have everything look good, uh, it really, as far as the quality play, it wouldn't matter. It it wouldn't matter if what was going on with the rail or the base. It's the playing surface itself. That's really going to affect uh, the, the enjoyment of playing. And so the one of the big differences between a quality board and a, a cheapy board is how smooth that playing surface is going to be. Like I say, people talk about it hurting their fingernails, and people will still say that now because they they pick up a, a, a crappy board and you have to hit that thing with a sledgehammer to get the disc to go all the way across the board. And I, I, I see videos like people are posting quick little clips on Instagram, whatever. I mean, I can tell in a three second clip the quality of the board. Because somebody hits the button and the button goes like a few inches and then it comes to a stop. It just you can just tell it's not a smooth surface and it it just doesn't have the slide that a quality board does. Um, the other big thing is the pegs. I remember an old board that I had before I got myself a Willard board uh, that they were plastic pegs. So no bounce off the pegs. And there were times that if you hit the peg too hard, it would actually knock the peg right out of the board. So I'd be crawling around the floor looking for the peg. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I hear stories like that. And um, I had that experience myself, but I also hear stories like that of people that just play on these crappy boards. And then all of a sudden they they sit down on one of our boards and like their first shot almost goes – you know, through the rail. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Like, like it's just a different, it's just a completely different experience when you just bear, you know, you don't have to hit it that hard. Yeah. Oh, you to, barely to, nudge it and it will yeah. make it all the way to the center. 
Yeah. 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 Now, yeah. there is preparation that goes into making a board playable or getting it ready to play. So explain that a little bit. And is there a difference between how you set up your board and how they would set up a board, say, for the world championships? Set up. Uh, so, uh, like as far as uh, preparing the surface for play, I'm saying. Uh, no, what we do before any board. So one of the, one of the, doy, there you go. Brain cramp. It, it happens. It's it, okay. does. It, it does. I'm just glad we're not live. So don't worry about that. That's fine. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> um, the, the, the lacquering of the surface makes such a, such a big difference. Um, so, but beyond that, before any board leaves our shop, I wax it with something called Mother's California Gold Spray Wax. Uh, that's one of the most common questions we get is, okay, how do I maintain my board? How do I wax my board? That is hands down the product you want to use. Mother's California Gold. And it's like four or five squirts, you buff it off immediate and you can start playing immediately afterward. The product I used to use was a paste wax that you'd pay, you buff in this paste wax, you'd wait 20 to 30 minutes and then you had to buff it off just right. Well, if you buff too hard, it slowed the board down. If you buff not hard enough and left some wax behind, it slowed the board down. And it was a lot harder work than what we use now. So I was very reluctant to change products because I need to be very, very careful did a lot of research, talked to some people a lot smarter than I am, and we zeroed in on this product. And it is, I mean, it's awesome for playability, but it's been awesome for my shoulder because... I mean, <laughs> Less buffing, right? Yes. Yeah. And the number of boards that we're pumping out, it, it definitely makes a difference. And just the ease of use and as, as well as for letting people know, because I mean, I wax that board. And the other question we get is how often do I need to re-wax my board? Yeah, it depends. It, but I mean, we play on ours all the time and it's probably every month or two that I'll reapply the wax. Oh, wow. So okay. it's, it's not, it's not that often. And I pick up a, I, of course I buy it in bulk. I buy it by the case of six bottles, but this spray bottle that I get, I am guesstimating I can wax 40 or 50 boards with one bottle. So for somebody at home, they pick up this bottle. You can pick it up off Amazon or here in Canada. I go to Canadian tire or home hardware, just a hardware store. And it's like, 12 bucks maybe for a spray bottle of this stuff. So it's not, it's not a big investment to keep your board running fast. And, uh, and, and how, so, but there's also, what is the stuff that like, it's, it's not sand, but it, yep. it's kind of gritty. Like, what is that that you that, put on? It's shuffleboard wax. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and okay. Uh, there's some people like to say that it's a controversy, whether we should use it or not. I don't agree. I don't feel there's any controversy. You just use it because it's just a better playing experience with the wax. It just makes the board faster and, and a yep. lot more fun. And uh, the, the again, the skilled uh, skilled people you can you you can. That's one of the variables that you can use is um, how much wax or, or if you wax. I mean, there's shots that I'll make that I'll intentionally I'll just wipe the the button or the disc, uh, the puck. The, the cookie, whatever you want, the pawn, the playing piece. <laughs> I just, I just wipe it on my pants. So I'm just making sure there's no actual shuffleboard wax because I want it to, I want it to stick where it hits my opponent's button. I want it to stay there. So you use the, you use the wax strategically. You either use or don't use the wax strategically. And so, yeah, no, it, it was pretty funny when you and I sat down for our first match. 
and uh, you you were like, okay, all right, let's uh, take some warm up shots. You took one, said I'm ready. <laughs> it's like really, all right, awesome. So I I, I took a few shots, and uh, and like I said, so so the way I had played. It was to 150 points. That's what I was familiar with, how how we scored it, and because the center is 20, the outer ring is uh, 15, then 10, then 5, as you get out on the concentric circles. Mm-hmm. And then whoever scored them, you peg your points and whatever. However, for the way that you showed me that you guys scored is completely different. You play by games. Go ahead. Yes. So, yeah, and that's the way most people, that's how I grew up playing. We do a race to 100. Um or whatever amount, 150 doesn't matter, but you would, I mean, it would be the difference. So if at the end of the round, if you had 50 points and I had 10 points, then you were plus 40 and right. we would race to whatever the points is. And so I hear that a lot, but the way the NCA and at world, so the NCA is the national crokinole association. And typically what is just the standard for competitive play is you play two points per round. So, so whoever wins, a, 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 meaning you get seven discs each, right? Eight. Eight, sorry, eight discs each. Yeah. And whoever has the most points scores a, scores a point or two points for the round, two points. right? So, yeah, right. and it doesn't matter whether, whether a player wins a round by five points or 105 points. That round is worth two points. So there's there's a reason we do that, and it's because when we go to a tournament, like, I mean, Tavistock is the extreme, but you've got all these tables in action. If we were doing races to 100, one game would be done in one round, but a game 10 tables over, it could take them an hour. Sure. So it just doesn't work out logistically. The other reason that I prefer this way of playing is because when you get deep in a round, you're not playing to minimize the damage. Right. So you can look at it late in the round, and, and I mean, it's a very common expression of it's Hail Mary time. We're, we're in deep. We're down, we're down a 20. I wonder if I can get a triple takeout, bounce my piece off that peg, and put it back in the middle. The chances are probably like 0.3%, but hey, it looks fun. Let's try it. And so just the, the way that is, it's structured the, the points is structured, it just leads to really fun shots. And I mean, uh, one of the reasons I really enjoy playing doubles is because of the conversation and you get to hear the, we, the way people think and their strategy. Um, going to that St. Jacob's Club, it, it's uh, the way that club works is usually there's eight of us in, say, the A pool. And we play doubles, but every game you play with a different partner. Oh, okay. So All it's, right. it's so you end up playing seven games. So you play with everyone once. You play against everyone twice. So there's this schedule that you follow so that it makes sure by the time you played seven games, that's the way it's worked out. So we're playing doubles, but you're playing as an individual because you want to have the most points. It's not. I mean, it's not like you're trying to take your partner down. It's nothing like that. It's just that we still get to determine who was the best that night. Do you know what I mean? That's awesome. Yes, I totally do. That's fantastic. And so, and it like like you said with it with an individual 
round or individual game, not you don't have to worry about, well, if I take this risk, then I'm going to be down 40 points potentially if it fails. So this way, it leads to more imaginative shots and creativity, whereas it wouldn't, it would be a lot more protective and a lot more conservative otherwise, right? I think so. And I mean, you'd still have people like myself that are going to go for it just because, yeah. Um, there, there, there was one shot you made in one of our games that you, uh, I, you, you hit something. It went off a post and went into the center. And I'm just looking at this, going, "Screw you, dude!" Right? Like, and I, and then I just look at you and I say, "Did?" And as soon as I said, "Did," you said, "Yep." <laughs> in other words, did you plan on that? Was that was that actually a, a is something that you were trying to do? And you were like, "Yeah." And I'm like. How do you, how do you, ah, so yeah, you curb stomped me that first game and there was a, there was a situation where I, I left a button over on your end of the board on, on your side and you were like, you were looking because there, there, there was a, a small crowd gathering around the curb stomping and you were like, should I be really mean? Or no. And I said, absolutely yes, because I want to see how bad it could be, right? I want to see the level of skill. I want to see how bad of a position you could put me in. Because when you make a shot, correct me if I'm wrong here, when you shoot, you must hit an opponent's button or else that your button that you just uh, shot, along with any others of your own that you hit, if you didn't hit an opponent's, if it, uh, an opponent's doesn't move, come off the board. So yes. you have to hit your opponent's button. Yes. And I was like, yeah, let's see how bad it can be. And you made a shot that basically forced me to be able to hit or to be able to skirt, forced me to skirt the, the center and make it all the way to the other side without hitting a peg and making it through because it was the only button you had on the board. And I kept trying to force it over the center hole and mm. that that failed majestically yep. uh, repeatedly and then after the game you showed me how there is skill to being able to like half hole it yep. and to just skirt it over just half and I was like oh but it still requires skill to be able to do that with any kind of consistency to half hole it like that and it was just it was an amazing thing to watch that level of skill and it's not just being able to see the shots, it's being able to execute them to where it, 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 just like any sport or any game that requires skill, it requires practice and it's it's over and over and over and learning these things. But the thing to me that is most amazing about watching somebody at your caliber play is the way you see things on the board. Like you see things that I'm just like, whoa, mm -hmm. okay. So how does that, how do you get to that? I mean, playing with your kids is one thing, I imagine, right? Yeah, that's uh, the boy. Both, I mean, I hate to, ex I hate excluding my middle son. Like Garrett is a is a very good player for how much he's played. Right, he just doesn't play as much as the other two. But, um, but Reed and Nolan, my oldest and youngest, the ones that placed uh, second in doubles last year, the stuff they see on the board, they see things that I don't see. And uh, so I had mentioned the St. Jacobs Club where we play, where you're, you play with a different partner every time. Uh, that was amazing for my, my growth as a player because I joined this club and you've got 
Fred Slater, who's the dad of the young guy you mentioned, Justin Slater, has won the world championships more than anybody else. I think, he, I think he's won it six times. So his dad, who's a very good player, Fred Slater's there. John Conrad, who's a, basically, he's like criminal royalty. Um, Roy Campbell, you got Andrew Hutchinson, you got Nathan Walsh. So some of like the, you know, a number of the top 10 players. So there as a, as a new player learning to play, well, I'm, I'm not learning to play, but I'm learning the, the ins and outs of competitive crokinole and I'm John Conrad's my partner. So when it's my turn, cause table talk is perfectly legal in crokinole. Like you're allowed, to, it's not, I know there's some games table talk's not allowed, but in crokinole it absolutely is. So John Conrad says, Hey Jeremy, what about this? And I go, cool. And <laughs> you're like, okay, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, now I'll argue with them, but, uh, no. Um, but, and that's something that helped my boys so much because uh, Roy Campbell, who I mentioned, a fantastic player and him and I are doubles partners, but he'd come over to the house and we'd sit down and play against Reed and Nolan. So some games we just play and other games we would play and we would talk and before they take a shot, we go, wait a minute. What about this? What about this? Consider this. And I mean, just learn, just learning. I mean, they're little sponges, but the, the creativity and the stuff that they, uh, the stuff that they come up with on the board is, it's pretty phenomenal. That's, and, that's awesome. Cause I mean, anytime you have a, the ability to play against somebody better than you, that's going yeah. to elevate your game if you're taking it serious. Yeah. And I think that's amazing that you have that kind of community that close essentially. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. And this story has popped into my head twice. So it must mean I'm meant to tell it. Um, oh, please. I can't, I can't remember if I shared this with you in Boston, but, uh, so anybody who's interested in Crokinole, you're, you're going to want to check out this YouTube channel called uh, Crokinole Center. It's my friend, Nathan Walsh runs that. So he takes the, the footage from competitive matches and he puts it up on YouTube with commentary. And a common question is, does he do the commentary at the time? So the players hearing what he's saying? No, he does, it. <laughs> he does it later. It's actually quite comical to listen to him commentate a match that he played. And Walsh oh, makes an this, amazing oh, point. Hold, right? hold on. <laughs> I want to write this down. No, you haven't. Uh, what, what's the name of this? Crokinole Center. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm so all over this. Okay. Crokinole Center. Got it. All right. Yeah. So I mentioned that John Conrad is like Crokinole royalty. So he is in so many of these matches over the years. And I remember reading a YouTube comment and somebody said, okay, is there a Crokinole video that John Conrad's not in? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just, yeah. He's one of these guys that just finds ways to win and finds, I mean, he's been to the final four in the world. I think he's won the world's three times. I'm not hundred percent sure, but yeah, very, very good player. And one of the best defensive players, like his defensive play is irritatingly good. Um, so, but there, there's these videos up there of competitive play. So, of course, the when the, the boys play second at the Worlds, there's a number of matches with Tracy and Tracy against so-and-so and so-and-so. So, I mean, yeah, live vicariously through my kids so I can home to watch these videos. And Nolan, the younger one, who's uh, got some – he's got some spunk to him. He's, he's got quite a sense of humor to him. So, at one point – he take. I think he did a double takeout. Bounces a, a button off the peg and comes back for a twenty. Grabs the twenty out of the center, pops it into the cup, sits back, and then he looks at the camera and goes. <laughs> I mean, normally crokinole is played in church, ba- like around here, it's played in church basements. And I mean, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of animation and fun, but usually you don't get finger guns. And 
I'm like, I watch this on the video and I'm like, okay, am I proud? Am I, should I, and I mean, I am right. But it's like, I, I and I think that, that people know, I mean, he's not being disrespectful. Should, yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's just like, wow, that was a hell of a shot. All it right. Was, hey. It was, but this whole, yeah. The, like just, you know, swagger to him. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome to see that. So, uh, yeah. And then Reed, our older boy has done extremely well. Like I think, I think he's like one spot behind me in the NCA standings. He's done really, really well in a number of tournaments. And I remember it was last year. He almost made the final four at worlds and watching Nathan, uh, watching the video of Nathan's doing the commentary. And there's just, an insane shot that Reed went for, and Nathan said it perfectly. He said, most players wouldn't even try that. Like what he did, like he, he, there was an opponent's button on his side of the board and, and another one of his opponent's buttons on the far side of the board. And he drove his opponent's button through the house to get a double takeout. Wow. Which, through the house, meaning through the center through the pegs, uh, of the board, right? Through the yep, pegs, yep. which is extremely risky because you can give your opponent a 20 very easily. That <laughs> right. But I remember watching the video and I, I actually, I remember watching it in person and I was standing back watching this and I saw it set up and I'm like, I know what he's going to do. And he explored all his options. I mean, that's one of the other things you learn to do in competitive crowbar. Take time and like, yeah, look. it's not timed, right? There's no, there's no chess clock, is there? Well, not in semifinals and finals, but in regular play, there is. You've got, okay, eight, you've got. I think it's eight minutes to play a game of singles, which is more than enough. Time. Oh, oh, god, that's an eternity in all all reality. I mean, that's forever. That's to play four rounds. So, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So it's it's okay. not an eternity, but if you're playing at a good pace, it is enough time that when a when a situation arises, you've got the time to step back and go, hmm. You can't do that with every shot, or else, yeah, you're going to run out of time, and that's just right. That's well, uh, some of it you don't. I mean, I would argue the majority of the shots probably you don't need to do that when you're just going 20, 20, 20. I mean, it's an easy game. It is. <laughs> it's incredibly easy. It's simple. Something. Right. Yeah. Mechanically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so James in chat, uh, he's the guy who makes all our graphics. He says that you made his board. So that's Okay, I, I saw that pop up and I was actually, it was something you were saying earlier and I was laughing because I caught Rocky's question of how well do these tables hold up to getting flipped. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, make sure it does a full rotation and lands back on its bottom, I guess would be, uh, <laughs> that would be my first choice because, uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're durable they'll stand up but getting flipped is yeah anyway and uh so we we played you you curb stomped me that first match that was on a uh, friday and then uh i said okay uh sunday i'm gonna come back and whoop your yeah. whoop your ass yeah and then on sunday um I, you were eating lunch and I came over and I was like, hey, because Jess bought a board, the one with the maple leaf on it. And uh, and I was like, hey, wait, wait, wait. She wanted no one can come pick this up and everything. And and I was like, you were like, hey, anytime after this, whatever. OK, cool. And you were like, hey, weren't you going to, you know, like, weren't we going to play and you were going to kick my ass? I said, yeah, yeah, but I don't want to ruin your meal. So please finish your meal and then I'll come back and kick your ass. My last supper. Yep. Right. And so you were like, oh, okay. All right. Thanks. And obviously just trash talking. And um, so when you finished, came back and we sat down to play again. And I actually, I actually scored points. You did. I did. I did yeah. not get skunked in this one. Um, and I actually had a 
advantage in two other games and then choked. (laughs) (laughs) So I could have scored potentially up to, we were playing to matches to seven points, right? Yeah. Yep. And I, I scored two points in one of the games, had the potential to score up to six points, so I wouldn't have won, but I could have been at least respectable. But uh, yeah, you you made me, uh, I, I will say it's intimidating playing against you because just the confidence in which you exude when you sit down and just the way it, it sounds so stupid, but just the way you have your hand and you just like nudge the, the buttons and the way you move, it's just like you've done it millions of times. <laughs> and it's just to where I'm sitting here all like hunched over and getting the right position. And you're just like, like it's breathing. And it's just, it's impressive to watch the level of confidence and the level of skill, not to mention the shit talking that you do, which is amazing. Oh, it is fantastic. Yes, you. It no. is It is delicious. It is amazing. And watching, <laughs> watching your wife watch the games, uh, and she, she gave me a compliment, which was kind of nice, and she was like, it was good to see you have fun because you were actually kind of in competitive mode. Like you, hmm. you, I made you work at least a little bit. Oh, no question. Some of the games. No question. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I absolutely would not say this if it wasn't true. You, I mean, for how much you played, you were amazing. You did really, really well. And uh, I, I think that if, if you played consistently and you could get to play other caliber players, like you would, you would do well. I, 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 I'm not kidding when I say this, like I would like to, cause there, there was another guy and we'll talk about that in a minute yeah. that's local that has a, uh, that has a meetup group here in the yeah. Boston area. And I would like to, obviously the timing of everything that's going on in the world makes right. this impractical right now. But when things settle down to quote unquote, get back to normal, that's something I would like, um, yeah, because I would like to make the road trip up there at some point to to come up and and check out this club and and time it around the world championships sometime and then kind of film it and and kind of bring it back to the channel as well because yeah. I think this would be an amazing experience to be able to watch in person if not actually take part with the, at this level of of caliber I think this is amazing to me. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I'm 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 not gonna blow smoke up your rump and suggest that you take a run at the World Championships, but no. I, I think that uh, I mean, I I think you come and you compete and you'd have fun and and uh, yeah, I think you'd do well for yourself because I I think it'd be a lot of fun to provided I, I get some practice in and consistent practice and and I, I'm at a point in my game to where I feel like I'm not going to embarrass myself. Then yeah, I think I would that would be cool to uh, remind me the guy's name. Uh, here locally. That Nick Osmore. What is it? Nick Osmore. There you go. And yeah. he has a meetup group here. Yes. And he was there. Uh, and he and I played and he crushed me as well. Um, so that was that was a learning experience as well. But so what is it about Crokinole though that is so appealing to you? What 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 drives the passion in you about Crokinole? What makes this so compelling i love the simplicity of it so um completely respectfully a lot of the games that you play you're not going to see me play those uh i've been invited to games days and people will say well i'll send you the rules a week ahead so you have a chance to read them and i'm like "Mm, nope but i really i i just really like 
simple games. And I, I love dexterity games. I, I get the question a lot, like, what other games do you like? Um, you know, probably the heaviest strategy game that I play is Settlers of Catan. <laughs> play with, I, I've always said, play what you dig, right? And, yeah. and, and yeah. do what you enjoy. And that's all that matters. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously, my channel here, uh, Heavy Cardboard, we, we're on the opposite end of that yep. uh, to where it tends to be a lot more heavy, complex, not necessarily complex, but uh, a number of them can be. Yep. Uh, but there, there's no, it doesn't mean the games we play are better or it's just what it is that we enjoy. And you yep. enjoy that. So, okay, yep. nothing wrong with that. But okay, so so yeah. the simplicity of it, but there's got to be more that, that drives the passion than so, just the simplicity of it. I love dexterity games. Like I say, we'll play Settlers of Catan, but we'll play a game or two and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm probably good for a month or two until, you know, uh, we want to get the kids together to play a board game again and then we might play Settlers. Whereas uh, if there's a backyard party and we're doing washer toss or cornhole, um, I'll be the one saying, okay, do you have a headlamp? So we can, I know the sun went down, but can you light a fire? Can we get like. (laughs) Just so you can bust out crocodile. (laughs) No, no, no. So I can keep oh. playing washer toss or keep oh, playing that okay, dexterity okay, game. Gotcha, like something okay, that's, right. that's a, a, a tactile. That's why like even crocodile with the cues, I don't enjoy it as much. It's, it just, I don't know. I really love the fingers because the, it's just the, the dexterity of it. Um, yeah. So I, I love the competition, but the competition is about as friendly a competition as you're ever going to get. Um, yeah, it just it's just super super nice people. Uh, the, from a from a social side of it, I love the fact that I can go visit uh, we can go visit friends of ours, and I'll sit down with their eight year old daughter, and I'll play crocodile with her for an hour. And is she good? No, but I just it's just fun. So old people can play, it. little people can play it. Like you mentioned, uh, Justin Slater, who's won the world six times. Right, the, the 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 young kid that I yeah. referenced. Yes, yeah. yes. If I'm not mistaken, he was 18 the first year that he won. Wow. Uh, three years ago, a gentleman by the name of Robert Bonnet won the world championships at 80 years of age. That's amazing. What other sport in the world can an 18-year-old and an 80-year-old seriously compete? Like, seriously. I mean, the only other, and I wouldn't necessarily call it a sport, but the only other thing that comes to mind is poker. Um, like right. that, that, yep. that would be the only other thing that I could consider yep. that, like that age disparity. That it, I mean, it's all here yep. as well as it, as long as you know you're able-bodied, right? Yep. As long as you are capable of doing that. Yeah. Um, so there's that side of it, and I I, lo- I love the social side of it. Like um, oddly. We're under like with with the. You think I'd be playing more crokinole right now, but I don't. I don't seem to be playing as much. But there are times that I mean, we've gone through spells where Reed, my oldest, and I would sit down and play crokinole more nights than not. And um, some nights we'd just flick a few games and go, "Cool, all right, thanks for playing." And other nights we'd be in the middle. We'd be in the middle of playing, like not even not even between games, just between rounds. And it'd be his turn to start, and I'd be like, "Like it's your shot," and he goes. Having a bit of a challenge at work, Dad. I was kind of wondering what your thoughts on it are. And See, that's awesome. I am not convinced we would have had that conversation otherwise. 
you know what I mean? So yes, it, I it's, do. It's things like that. And as, as much as I say that, at the same time, I don't give all the credit to Corbinal. I mean, I developed that type of relationship with my kids. So, sure. it, but I mean, it's, it's a conduit. It is, it is a way for us to connect. And it's, it's funny you bring that up because I, I've joked that board games for me are in, a, in some ways a modern day knitting circle kind right. of type yeah. thing to where it, it's very similar, whether it's social or whether it's with your partner or whether it's with your kids or whatever. It is a way to get away from screens. It's a way to unplug and have that direct interaction. Um, and even nowadays with everything that's going on in the world with COVID and everything else, still able to connect like like how we are right here. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's it's... It's the conduit, like you said. It is. Yeah. It, it is whether it's crokinole, whether it's a board game, whatever it is. I think the world needs more of that, and I think yeah. it's amazing. Yes, I agree. So, the, there's no screens. Uh, I mean, there's screens because people get addicted to watching the competitive crokinole online. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as actually playing it, it, it gets people away from it gets people away from their screens, and uh, yeah, just to. What was the, the one the one guy was telling me the, about his son and he, he was looking he had just got a board for me he was looking forward to teaching his son because he likes to teach his son uh, basically how how his body works how to how to keep get his what do they call it, proprioception the communication between your brain and your muscles okay like to be able to the example he gave was like it's good for it's good for his son to work on a vehicle with him to know how to to turn a nut or a bolt that you can't see. So interesting. Okay. All right. So yeah, it's something that's coordination and anything like that I think is, is really good for, for the brain. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the skill and being able to imagine the shots and picture and set things up Yep. in Crokinole is, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same type of thought process that goes into board games. Yeah. And I and it's it's competitive like board games. And ultimately now, obviously competitive crokinole, you're trying to win and you're trying to, you know, get beat your opponent. Clearly, yeah. just like yeah. in a board game. Yeah. But it's more than just that. It's about the process. It's about the yes, I am trying to curb stomp you. But in the end, there's a mutual respect. It's about having fun with one another. It's about enjoying each other's company and being respectful, but having a good time in the process of trying to eviscerate you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's and and even when you and I were trash talking, obviously I wasn't going to beat you, and I knew this, but I was going to try like hell, and I was yeah. going to you know do my best to try. But even though you and I are trash talking, it's totally friendly, and it's 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 that camaraderie that we share that is just it makes it so much fun and just an enjoyable experience, and making you take it serious in a way was a victory for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, there we were for, and uh, Elaine was absolutely right when she said that because there we were for four days playing. And I mean, I love teaching new people crokinole. It was a lot of fun and it left me craving a competitive match. So, uh, Nick Osmore was there and I mean, and Nick's still, in chat right now. Yes. He's, yeah, he's in there. Apparently according to extra pint crokinole club says Nick Osmore ranked third in New Hampshire. So, all right. 
I actually right. wanted to pretend like I didn't see his name because I'm going to say something nice about him and I don't want to go into his head. So it'd be like accidental. I didn't mean to do that. Um, yeah, Nick's a pretty skilled player. So once in a while, if there was any kind of quiet time, he'd be like, all right, let's get a game in or at least part of a game where I need to I need to hit that 20 in order to, to win, right? Because right. – yeah, it's it's the I just enjoy the pressure of it. Um, I love playing in a final or a semifinal. I just, I just love the pressure. It's just I mean how how are you going to respond to it? And uh, I, I enjoy that challenge. So as much as I enjoy teaching all those people, it was still so enjoyable that you played well enough that I had to I had to I had to concentrate. And I mean. You met, you mentioned that like when we were playing, it was like the confidence that was there. And it's like, there were, there were rounds that you were in control and I just, I'm sitting there going, I know I can bring this back. I know I'm going to keep my eyes open. He, he's, he's going to make a mistake or he's going to create, he's going to set something up. And I, I take it as a huge compliment. I've heard people say, well, Jeremy will make something out of nothing. And like, as far as what's going on on the board, when you think you've left me with nothing, I will make something of it or at least take step one of getting back toward the middle so I can get that 20 that I need. Um, but regardless of who I'm playing against, I will not give up until it is mathematically impossible, like completely and totally. Even when it's a situation that I need you to put a 20 in, in order for me to even be, be able to tie the round, I'm still playing for that because you don't I mean I've seen great players make horrible shots yep it happens and in fact uh after after our matches you were setting things up and explaining things as to some of the strategy and one of the things I think the biggest epiphany moment was and one of the things that you explained to me was if you had a lead on me you want the game to be played around the outside of the house you want it to stay on the outside of the board because if it's out there, I can't score 20s and I can't catch it. It's it's impossible for me to be able to catch up. Mm-hmm. And so you had one of your buttons out on the outside. And what I should have been trying to do is not only knock yours off, but knock my own button off to where yeah. it completely resets the board to where now it forces you to play back into the house. So you had to play. Yes, I'm giving you the opportunity at a clean shot for a 20. Yeah. But you know what? I saw it. It did happen. You do make mistakes on rare occasion. And so that that capability of giving you the potential to make a mistake, whereas if it's on the outside, it doesn't matter if you make a mistake. It's going to be on the outside and I can't do anything about it because buttons don't move backwards. (laughs) So I needed to do that. And I was like, it never even occurred to me that, and I was like, ah, uh, that was one of the biggest aha moments yes. that I had strategy wise. And I was like, oh, okay. But then it becomes a game of, well, okay, I know what I need to do. Now, can I actually make the shot to be yeah. able to do that? Yeah. And I mean, there, there's so many times in tournaments that I, I have won games just or won rounds just on strategy just because my opponent didn't understand strategies to the same level. So yeah, it just created opportunities. Uh, and that's yeah. amazing. It really is amazing to, uh, yeah. it, like I said, it's the, the imagination that goes into some of the shots and it's, 
it, it is such a mechanically simple game. You are just pushing a button. That's it. You're just sliding something across and that's it. But being able to see the, I mean, a lot like in, um, oh shoot, it's not shuffleboard, but it's on ice. Uh, Curling. Curling, thank you. Like in curling, it's it's playing caroms and, and playing off of other pieces into the posts. Hopefully, yeah. nothing but net, you know, yeah. right into the center. And yeah. being able to see that is one thing, and then being able to execute it is a whole nother. And it's just, it's amazing. And Nick brings up another reason tournament scoring is so much better, and that's something we alluded to earlier, that it it allows you the freedom that, look, I'm already going to lose this, and I don't care, like you said, I don't care if I lose it by 50 points or if I lose it by five. Yep. It gives me the opportunity and the freedom to be imaginative and yep. to be able to look at outside the box on, okay, look, is this a risky shot? Yes, but if it works, hey, I'm back in the game, you know? Yep. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating game. And I am chomping at the bit now to yep. be able to, A, I want a heavy cardboard board so yep. bad. Yep. And number two, I, I, I want to be able to play against somebody and uh, once things settle down. So speaking of which, with things the way they are, with COVID and everything, um, I, how are things on your end as far as is everyone safe? Is everyone doing all right and all of that? Uh, like, are you talking like, Within my house, like my family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Start there. Yeah. Uh, no, we're good. We're good. Um, okay. I mean, obviously, there's the all the uncertainty and sure. trying to wade through the real news and the fake news. And um, uh, I find that, like sometimes I, I don't watch the news, so sometimes I make the mistake of going on social media to just try to like find a link to an article or an update or something like that. Um, I find the 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 shaming. Uh, that's going on is exhausting. It's, uh, yeah. Um, it's funny because I, I'm not, I'm not one to engage on social media anyway. I try to keep it fun and light. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that I, I I'm an opinionated person, but you, I don't, yes. Huh. Would you I, guess? Okay. I, yeah, there are, uh, I mean, there's certainly things that I have uh, very strong opinions about, but, uh, and if you and I are having a conversation, like I'll share those with you and if we can agree to disagree yep. and that's cool. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, I find that a lot of people on social media do not have that ability. So I, <laughs> I typically, I don't engage, but, uh, something that I notice happening lately is I'm scrolling through and I feel like people's opinions are on steroids now. So, yes. and they're just, they're just screaming louder. They're they're And I find the idiots are being bigger idiots. So there's, there's been, there's been some posts and I'm reading it and I take my phone and like my thumbs are cramping up and I'm like, I so badly want to engage. I so badly want to. And then when I, when I get close, it's a quote that my dad likes to use that comes to my mind. And he says, Jeremy, when you're arguing with an idiot, you have to be really careful that he's not doing the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is that is good advice. Uh, that is very good advice. My the thing that goes through my head in that regard is the uh, former Jets coach. Uh, I think he still works for ESPN. Oh no, he works. He's a head coach at Arizona State football okay. coach, Herm Edwards. Okay. Uh, whenever he would talk about uh, uh, people engaging and stuff like this, uh, don't hit send. Right. Whatever you want, do whatever you want. Don't hit send. And, uh, I, that, that happened to me yesterday. 
the most recently, and I was like, I wrote it, and I was like, delete. Okay, yeah. good. I feel better. I got it out. Good. All right. Good enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is uh, that is that is true. Well, I'm glad to hear that everybody there is safe. How is this? Uh, I imagine that business has got to be doing okay in a in a sense that I mean. It's kind of like board games, like you have a captive audience right now. People are not going out and yep. doing all these other things, so Crokinole actually makes a lot of sense. It does, and uh, I feel bad saying it because I, I know a lot of people, uh, things aren't the best for them right now, but this yes. has actually been, it certainly hasn't hurt our business. We've seen we've seen an uptick, and yet the more than seeing an uptick in orders, we're seeing an uptick in people taking our rush order option because we're, we're back ordered. I think regular orders coming in right now are scheduled to ship out May 15th. So it's a bit of a wait. So um, we've had, we've seen a higher percentage of people taking the rush order option. It's an extra hundred dollars. We'll ship it within a week rather than put you at the back of the queue. Uh, mm-hmm. It means I work some overtime or, you know, I mean, we make it work, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, people have been, we put that option in place like last November because there were people that were like, they just, they're just like, yeah, I can't wait. And I'm like, well, uh, what am I supposed to do? So, uh, it was my web guy made the suggestion. So we threw it out there and, and a lot of people have been taking it. They love it. Right. They're like, and yeah, you can wait or, or not, but, and, but yeah, we've seen that a seems lot reasonable. I mean, if they're going to want you to work overtime, you should be, re, you know, re- reimbursed yeah. for that time. So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, uh, I guess a lot of other people think it's reasonable too, because, uh, yeah, they, we've, we've had, uh, we, we had a number of people, like once the lockdown came into place, we had a lot of people that knew orders, but we also had people that were already in the queue waiting and they would email and say, can I pay the rush order fee now? <laughs> because we're home, we're bored. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, the nice thing for me is that I'm either, I'm either in my house with my family or I'm in my shop with my family. I'm around the same people. So sure. I can still, um, uh, I, I can still operate being respectful of the social distancing and everything like that. So good. Uh, all yeah, right. We've been, well, we've been, we've been good that way. And like, it's me and Elaine and Nolan that all work uh, here. And uh, our oldest son is a bricklayer. So, um, they're actually working on a home that they're not like, they can't stop building somebody's house. So, uh, he's working and, uh, Garrett works in a grocery store, so he's essential services. So sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how are things there? Like I do enjoy talking to people in different areas because I'm just curious what's, what's going on in different parts. So, uh, so here in Massachusetts, it's, uh, the, (laughs) so this is, this is a unique state in that they take their freedoms very seriously. Uh, they, they like, Massachusetts is the governor is I wish he wasn't as liberal about this as he has been, but he is trying to be respectful of people. And so the 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 advisory, it's not even a mandate. It's an advisory. Ten people or less, although really it is a shelter in place, meaning everybody stay home. Same thing. Essential businesses and all this, although I got to be honest. I got a buddy, one of my one of the guys in my game group, uh, Dunkin' Donuts. So Dunks is uh, considered essential, yep. and I was like, no, it's not. Like, no, 
Like, they don't need to be open, and he doesn't want to be open because he doesn't want to expose himself or his employees and all this, whatever. Um, so I, a couple weeks ago, we, we, have, we had a very, very, very small group of myself and Jess, as well as Derek and Andrew. That was the four of us plus our families. And that was it, and we didn't, so the four of us would get together, but no one else, and then our families, if you extend it out, it ended up being a total of 11 people. Right. And uh, there were, the optics of that were not good. Mm-hmm. Um, be streaming that, having people over still with everything. So we changed course and we decided, you know what, even though we're following the advisory, everything, we're, we're isolating ourselves and we're doing everything above and beyond what we need to, the optics mm-hmm. of it weren't good. So therefore right. we decided, you know what, we're going to limit it to where now it's just me and Jess essentially, um, yeah. but mostly just me. Or we'll, And last night we actually did a live stream of a game with three folks virtually to where okay. I had the board yeah. set up here and then they were in through Skype, ow, in through Skype and whatever um, doing that. And then we ran the game that way. But big picture wise, um, the majority of people seem to be taking it serious in the area, although there is, there's definitely some frustrating things that I see, which I don't understand, which is we have a lake here in the town, and there, when it's nice weather, I understand we're coming into spring and the whole nine yards, and there are people wanting to walk around the lake, which is fine. Go out, get some vitamin D, get some fresh air and all that, but just give yourself space, and there not everybody is doing that, which is right. frustrating. Uh, the weirdest thing for me has been to the grocery store. That's been the biggest eye-opener because my day-to-day really hasn't changed a lot because I work from home. Yep. And so my bubble here is I work in here, so whatever. Um, obviously, I'm not having friends over and, and doing all that. Right. But the grocery store is the biggest thing to where there's a line outside and there's space six feet apart. Uh, there's no kids in the grocery store. That's the weirdest thing that I didn't realize until afterwards. There's nobody's bringing their kids to the grocery store anymore, which that seems responsible. So that's good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the aisles have one direction now, like it, you go this way and everyone, and there's limiting how many people are in the store and everybody is wearing masks and everybody's staying six feet away. Um, I'm only going to the store like once every two weeks, I'm not getting my stuff delivered. But outside of that, for the most part, it seems people have taken this serious, but I still see some things like if I'm out driving just to have the air wind go through my hair and get, go, get outside. If I see that, I, you still see people hanging out a little too close to one another, but you can't force them, you know? So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, uh, kind of where we're at. And, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, um, we haven't been, obviously, all, all Crokinole tournaments are postponed or canceled. Sure. Uh, the, the last one we had was Patty Fest. I'm trying to think when it was um, early March. It was right yeah. before yeah. things really clamped down. And even that one, I think there were 30-some teams signed up. It was a doubles tournament. There was 30-some teams signed up, and we ended up at 19 came because uh, the rest just didn't feel comfortable. Uh, sure. There, there is, at least around here, there, the – the average age of crokinole players is is not young, uh, so yeah. I mean, if if people are, are worried, you know, if they're 
you know, if their immune system isn't the best and they, they chose to stay home, then yeah. Uh, but I, I remember at that point, it was, I remember standing there in, in Listowel at Patty Fest after the tournament talking with Andrew Hutchinson and Ray Beerling. And I'm like, we had a tournament in London scheduled for March 28th. So everybody's already got that date in their tournament. We can't do it. They've, they've postponed it or canceled it or whatever, but we've already got that date in our calendar. Why don't we just get eight of us together, eight top level players and we'll just somebody's house and we'll play. And everybody at the time was like, yeah, cool. That sounds good. But within a couple of days after that, it was like, yeah, now we shouldn't be doing that. Right. So, uh, yeah. Um, there's a bit of an acronym that's floating around the crokinole community right now. Claire Kipfer started it, that he's suffering TTW, CTW. It's a crokinole tournament withdrawal. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, blessed that way too because there are i have you have two other high-ranking players in your house <laughs> yeah and uh, even though even though garrett doesn't play as much like he can still uh you know i mean it's it's a worthy match um so yeah we'll we'll sit and uh, play some crokinole and so it's not complete withdrawal from the competitive because i like to sit and do drills and just shoot open 20s but it's not the same as playing sure. an actual game. Yeah, so. it doesn't get the adrenaline going. It doesn't get the, you know, you're not as engaged in that. Yeah. as Right, that makes yeah. sense. And there's nobody to talk to but myself, right? So. Uh, well, it still yeah. could be a compelling uh, conversation if there's anything I know about you, Dollar there Jeremy. You, there you go, yeah. <laughs> as uh, the aforementioned Nick Osmore set up uh, Crokinole through Zoom. So there were, oh, there was five or six of us. There was a... Ian Witt over in the UK and Nick and I think I think most of the other people were in Nick's area, but everybody was in their own home. But yeah, everybody would have a the camera down on your on your board, and one guy would take a shot, and then the other guy would try to place it. On the oh, board that's awesome! Board. That's it, not, oh. it is. It was a little cumbersome, you know. Sure, but you know but, what? That's yeah. still a cool way to do it. Hey, Nick, do yeah. me a favor. I'm going to here. So Nick's in chat right now. So I'm going to make him a temporary mod. So Nick, do me a favor and send a link uh, where people can uh, touch base. And so if they have a crokinole board or if they want to pick up one from uh, from Jeremy. So while well, he's working on that, so why don't you tell folks uh, how to get in touch with you? How much ballpark? Uh, what's the range on a Tracy board and all of that? And give folks some details. So go yeah, for it. For sure. Um, first of all, everything I say is in Canadian dollars. So, and people ask me this question all the time, like, how does that work? Uh, basically, if you, if you order through the website, then you're just going to get charged the American dollar equivalent to whatever your Canadian dollar total is. Okay. Just, yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I think the last time I looked, it's like a buck 34. Um, <laughs> Nick, yeah. Nick's just talking trash. Yeah. That's it's, all. that's what Nick does. Right. Hi, Nick. Miss you, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, back to the the Canadian dollars. We have we have three levels of boards. Our traditional board, that's the one that it's uh, it's made of just a little bit thinner material. It's it, all all of our boards will play the same because they're all the Canadian maple playing surface. All finished the same, wax the same, everything. Just the traditional board is slightly thinner material, so it's a little bit lighter. That board will be 16 pounds, whereas our tour board is more like 20 pounds. So just, uh, uh, but that one's plain in the gutter, and it's got brown lines, uh, steel screws, and amber rubber as the pegs. Whereas our tour boards, they're either black or red in the gutter, 
unless you go with a custom color, but they're black or red in the gutter, have black lines, and then the pegs are a brass screw with black rubber. Our tour boards, sorry, the traditional boards are 270 Canadian. The tour board is 300 Canadian. And then something we added at some point last year, I can't remember exactly when, but people were, were asking us to make a board with a darker wood. And Canadian maple is just the best material for a playing surface of a crokinole board. So I don't want to build them out of anything else. The other thing is like in order to be efficient, like I, I just have an order come in that's enough material to make 300 tops. So that's what helps keep my cost down is, is buying in bulk. So all of a sudden I'm going to make one board out of a different material. It's just not, it's just not cost effective. It's not process. It's not effective and efficient in any way. But, um, but what we did was we, the, the name of the stain is called gray rock. So the, it's still got the black gutter, but the playing surface and the rail are both stained with this gray rock. And it is such a sharp looking board. Uh, that board is 325 Canadian. And uh, we have all the accessories. We have 20 holders with 12 different colors of buttons. Uh, yeah, the traditionalists always want the black and natural buttons. But yeah, we've got pink and turquoise and purple and white and orange. So yeah, some people like to pick their, their favorite sports team's colors or sure. their school colors or yeah, some people just like getting those colors for their kids. And uh, yeah, I just... Whatever's going to, whatever people want is, uh, yeah, it's what we try to do within reason. All right. And uh, what's the, what's the website where folks can go in uh, order? Croconolgameboards.com. There we go. All right. So good stuff. And now I know you said that uh, you're not huge on social media. However, you're, uh, and I, it's actually scrolling underneath us right now, but your Twitter is at boards game. So boards, plural, B-O-A-R-D-S-G-A-M-E. How else can folks get, uh, get in touch with you? Uh, so I said, I'm not super active on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I, I spend more time on I spend more time on Facebook or Instagram and uh, yeah, our handle everywhere is Crokinole Game Boards. Now, Twitter just took the the last part and switched it there to give me boards game. But if you okay. look up, if you look up Crokinole Game Boards, you should find us on Facebook or uh, Instagram as well as on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, we have a number of tips videos as well as we did a video about the official NCA rules. That's all on our, on our YouTube channel. Now it was last year, right after the worlds, we started a a series of 52 tips and the intention, the goal was to do a tip a week for 52 weeks. Um, and then what happened was four weeks later, shut up and sit down video came out all of a sudden quadrupled our business. I managed to get a couple of more videos out and then it got to a point is like, do I make a board or do I make a video? And yeah, that series fell off, but we do intend to get back to it and uh, yeah, get some more quality videos up there to, to, to give people the different drills and things they can practice at home. And I'm going to make them available to everyone, but Edward, because like, I want to keep that upper hand for our next match. <laughs> Fair enough. And yeah, you, you, you've learned, uh, how, how much, uh, work goes into video production you, uh, so, and you and I are going to talk about that, uh, uh, cool. going forward. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember I was, I was, uh, we got too busy to do the, I got too busy. We, we got away from doing the, uh, the YouTube videos. So then I started doing Facebook lives and a couple different things. And somebody commented saying, you know, I much prefer the, 
the edited videos on YouTube. And I'm like, so do I, but I mean, there's time. Like the nice thing about a live is you push play and when it's done, you push upload or whatever and it's done. There's no, but man, when you go to edit something and I put little blooper reels at the end, which were a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing it. But like when I was, we're getting, we're in a better place now, production wise, we're more efficient. So it's freeing up some time. But I mean, then when I was trying to catch up on all these orders coming in, it just, yeah, it was, yeah. By the time I was done working, I had nothing left in the tank when I sat down in front of the computer to, to edit a video, right? Like, yeah. And yeah, if you've done video editing, you get it. You know, you know, it's work. And there, uh, yeah. There, there, there's certainly a, uh, there's, there, there are perks to doing things live, but all the front, yeah. all, all the work is on the front end as opposed yeah. to the back end, right? And preparing yeah. for this stuff and everything. So, yeah. So there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jeremy. This has been uh, this has been a lot of fun, man. And I appreciate uh, I appreciate the the I guess the learning the aspect of just how much seeing the passion in you. I think is what I enjoyed the most out of this more cool. than anything, and how much you just. You're passionate about it, yeah. Just how much you dig Crokinole. I think it's not just a job, but it's it's it's. I mean, it's a huge part of your life. I think that's amazing. I, I don't think I could do the quality or the quantity that we do. I don't think I could do either one without the passion. Um, yeah, it just it would feel like work, and as much as I work, it doesn't feel like work. It's uh, yeah, it's just awesome. That's and, fantastic, man. And, and getting to get out there and meet uh, interesting cats like yourself and uh, even that Osmore fellow that. <laughs> so, okay, before I let you get out of here, uh, because this is a official conversation with Heavy Cardboard, I have a series of six questions okay. that I ask everybody that uh, you are not going to be any different. So off the top of your head, first thing oh. that comes to mind. Here we oh. go. You ready? All right. All right, a series of six fun yet thoughtful questions. Quick fire, here we go. Number one, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? Thirty-two. Why? Oh, wow. Is that question two or is that question one A? That's one A. I don't know, man. uh, Big kid at heart, I guess. I mean, I can go the other way too because I've got a 21 year old, which may—I don't know if it should make me feel older, but it doesn't. So yeah, I'm sticking with 32. Just I don't know. I just like to do things that I, I guess maybe my favorite pastime of crokinole. Some people think it's an old person thing, but uh, I just like to go and do. A few years ago, I learned to ride a unicycle because I thought it looked fun. Uh, <clears throat> Fair enough. All right. Big so kid. number two. Yep. If you could master one skill that you do not have right now, what would it be? One skill? Yeah. Honestly, I think it comes back to the uh, the videos. That's, uh, yeah. Video editing? Yeah. Yeah, video editing. Uh, yeah, some of the stuff like we talked about, like the, the type of setup you have to, to share. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you could have dinner and conversation with any person in history, who would it be? Famous or otherwise? Edward from Heavy Cardboard. Oh, stop, stop. 
Oh, this is supposed to be rapid fire. I'm sorry. No, Napoleon. it's okay. No, it's it's okay. But who comes to mind? Maxwell Maltz, Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Okay. Why? Because one of the most fascinating books I've ever read, but it was a heavy read. And uh, it would just be cool to... I'd rather talk to somebody than read. I'd rather listen. I'd rather I'd I'd rather listen to an audiobook than um than uh, than read a book. And that guy, he wrote a book called Psycho-Cybernetics and it's about how your subconscious mind is is driving the ship. And I get it, but to talk to him and just understand that on a way deeper level than I do now, I think would be very beneficial. That's awesome. I, I love that answer. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, number four, what are three things that you want more of right now? Could be physical, characteristics, ideas, anything. What three things you want more of? Organization. Okay. Fitness. Yeah, I agree with that one. Yeah. That's oh, you're not here insulting. No, me. no, no. I'm uh, me. I'm me. Not on you. Not on you. Stop. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's lagged a little bit lately. Um, I'm very active, but it's not the fitness that I'd like. And sorry. So, uh, uh, three things I want more of: organization, fitness, travel. Oh, up. Oh, sorry, the answer should have been croconol. I want more competitive croconol right now. Mm. Damn, I want to play croconol. Yeah, Nick's saying it. Yeah, playing croconol. Yeah. All right, good stuff. Uh, all right, uh, number five. What do you appreciate the most in your friends? Honesty. Yep. Ki- kindness. Not not nice. Kindness. And, uh, and like the, and maybe I'm telling you something you already know, but uh, the way it was explained to me, a nice person will tell you what you want to hear. A kind person will tell you what you need to hear. And, uh, that's one of the reasons that I, I have so much respect for Willard because uh, a compliment from him meant a lot because he is not afraid to tell me when something wasn't up to, up to snuff and yeah, just brutal honesty. Good stuff. And last but not least, but honestly, I think I know the answer to this already. Uh-oh. What's your absolute dream job? Oh, this is it. Um, this is it with more packs type experiences. Yeah, that was, it, it, it looked exhausting for you, but it also looked like you were a kid in a candy store. Like it just brought you so much joy seeing everybody. I mean, it, the, the boards were, had a waiting, had a wait. 24-7, it seemed. Yep. It was amazing to see. Oh, my voice was fried. Um, I was tired. and why? I mean, we were over there at 8 in the morning to get set up before they opened the doors at 10. And there were nights that I was kicking people off the boards at midnight. And uh, But yeah, I, I love what I do. I, I but I'm, And I am very social. So to have, to have more balance between the time in, in the shop and being out and sharing this game. And I wish there was a competitive Crokinole tournament every weekend. Or you know what? I would alternate between a competitive Crokinole tournament one weekend and the next weekend weekend a PAX type experience and just just toggle back and forth between the two would be there's there's my dream yeah there you go that's awesome well hey Jeremy I really really appreciate you taking the time to uh to do this this has been 
I'm the world's biggest five-year-old. I always want to know the why about things. And being able to do this is honestly one of the biggest joys I get from this show is yeah. being able to sit down with interesting people and being able to learn about things that I don't know. And this has been awesome. I really appreciate this, man. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you. This has been a blast. I just, uh, when you said we were wrapping up, I looked at my phone and went, holy cats, like, yeah, we've been here a while, but it doesn't doesn't feel like it to me. I don't know. <laughs> See, and okay, then mission accomplished. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and everybody that watched this live, uh, whether it's you know Nick or any of the any of the folks out there that uh, are interested about uh, checking out Crokinole, definitely uh, check out uh, CrokinoleGameboards.com. Uh, give Jeremy your business if if you are capable as well as interested. So there's that, and I will be back tomorrow with. Uh, well, let's see. It's uh, Command and Colors Ancients, so I will be streaming that tomorrow at 3 p.m. So thanks, everybody. A uh, big thank you to Jeremy and, uh, honestly, um, the missus, because she's, oh. you know, and the patience that she's had with you through all this. So I, I definitely am grateful for that. So, yeah, oh, this was a blast, awesome. man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's been all fun. Right, take, take care, everybody.